Hi, and welcome to C. Myers Live. My name is Sally Myers, and I'm a principal at C. Myers Corporation. And I'm Charlene Leland. I'm a vice president with C. Myers. And today we're going to talk about how to take talent and turn it into a competitive advantage. It has been topic conversation in just about every discussion we're having with senior leadership teams. Yeah, it's a it's a, a critical piece. I, I just want to take a step back though and you know sometimes we think of it as something that happened along with the pandemic, the, all the you know, oh we can't find enough people, we can't get the right people. It was um it was here before that actually. Mm -hmm. We were we were talking about it at least in uh, 2019 and early 2020. Um so it's not new. It's but it's it's still a a challenge and as uh, we all also like to say it can be a tremendous opportunity as well. The first thing is to really think about, you know, step back, big picture. How important is talent to your business model? How much of a, a huge piece of what you do is dependent on your talent? And getting clarity on that and getting a getting a good picture of how where it fits into the the big picture of the business, I think is the perfect place to start because most places land on the fact that, wow, it is so critical to what we do that it's it's not having this is a competitive advantage or not being uh, really effective in this area and having that be a competitive advantage could hobble us for the future. Yes. And it's it's interesting because more and more leadership teams are acknowledging that regardless of the technology that they invest in, they still need appropriate brain power and action to to have that technology really do what they set out to have it do and that thinking. And so when you talk about how important talent is to your business model, well, how do you how do you break it down? There's a lot of different ways to go about this. Uh, one way that works is start with the executive leadership team. What are the characteristics, preferences, and behaviors that you need the individuals on that team to have first and foremost? Eventually, you'll get to technical know-how. But behaviors, preferences, and characteristics are so important. And then within that, what we see when people start that discussion is they start by building a superhuman. Yep. Well, we have to have all of these 50 characteristics that are just <laughs> absolutely amazing. So if you do that, you know, and you step back and like, we didn't accomplish anything. You did. You got it out of your system. Let's just get it out <laughs> like of our that. system. And then now we have to prioritize because we know we, we don't have access to all the superhumans that exist in the world um, for our organization. So then looking at it from a team perspective as well, in each person is it has a unique contribution. So as you look at it as, as a team and the different puzzle pieces, can they all fit together to help the organization grow and thrive? And, and then once you do that and clearly articulate it, then you can work that through the entire organization. Yeah, and the reason it's so important to to like narrow it down to I'm I'm just going to throw out top five. You know, maybe it's not five, but you know, what are the things you really really prioritize for this? And then, okay, what are the gaps that we have? And like you were saying, not every single person has to have everything, but does do the pieces fit together? 
but uh, recognizing what the gaps are and then figuring out how to work on those. That's a way to put teeth into this idea of making talent a competitive advantage for your for your organization. And then you can do the same thing at the other levels, like, just like you were saying, Sally, define what you need in different roles. And then what gaps do you have so that you have something pretty specific to work toward? As you work this through the organization, it, it's important for you as an executive team to identify how many high impact or high influencers you need to have in the organization. What are the role, the supporting roles? Because you're not going to always have, uh, again, a bunch of high impact, high influencers. And there are supporting roles in the organization. And then there are simply just jobs to be done. And on the jobs to be done, those are probably people who may or may not want a career path in the organization, but it's, it can be a great place to work. And of course, everybody within their role has to deliver it to the expectations identified. Another thing that you can do, and again, this is not a linear process, it's a non-linear process, is to step back and work as a team to develop an employer value proposition. Yeah, I like where you're going with this because, you know, initially we're talking about what does the organization need? What do you need from your people? What characteristics, et cetera, at, and at different levels, which I think is is an important way to start the conversation because, and you probably hear these conversations too, Sally, where, um, there's because of the the challenges and just trying to even get enough people and, and, and get the right people that sometimes the conversation focuses on we need to pay people more and they need to have better benefit you know it's all the things for the employee which is which is important too it's a two-way street so we started off with what you need as an organization and then look at it from the other side as an employer what is your value proposition to the the talent that you want to bring on just like you have a value proposition for your for your customers you know yeah. maybe you're you know convenient or you have great technology or you're friendly whatever it is decide and think about what you want your value proposition to be to the people that you want to hire and it's different for every organization it's, it's, there's no one thing it's not it's not just you know, higher pay or something like that. It's it's about what you offer as an organization, your culture. What's you know, what do people what do people want out of their work lives? Well, it and it's not only for people that you hire. I don't think. I think it's for people that you have internally that want to grow with your organization. So again, what is the employer value proposition? And you're right. It's not just one thing. It's a combination of things. Keeping in mind that not all people will like your employer value proposition, but that can be used as a, it's a great filter. Yeah, it's okay. Um, When you're as a team articulating your value proposition, it's important to write it down Mm -hmm. and then take it back to the business model. Another thing that can really help with writing a value proposition is articulating the brutal facts that you're facing using that as a foundation to discuss, well, what are people going to value going forward? Why would somebody choose to come and work for our organization over the other choices that they have? Same question, and and maybe even a little bit more important is, why would somebody continue to work, continue to choose to work in our organization? Um, Especially if it's somebody that really adds the value that they're set out to add. On the brutal facts, well, what do we mean by brutal facts? 
And well, well, one brutal fact is that um, the value proposition you might have had as an employer before might not work today. Mm. That the times are changing. That's a brutal fact. And we uh, I hear a lot of conversations, you know, kind of a, oh, I don't like uh, the way things are going. People are different. The young people are different, you know, and the brutal fact is that, you know, when things do change and they do, you have to adapt just like you do when a brutal fact for, for your business model in general might be, um, we have extra competitors that have come into our market. Well, you can't change that. You're going to have to adapt to that, right? And it's the same type of thing. The environment has changed around talent. That's a brutal fact. Yeah, and, and a, a specific example is when we talk to, or when I talk to clients, I don't know if this is the same for you, Charlene, but it used to be that, people in the leadership level would stay 15, 20, 25 years. And that's not happening today. And so when we, when I talk to other clients about what do you deem success at the leadership level, it's not uncommon for me to hear, you know, if I can have somebody at a leadership level who has high positive impact in our organization and they're only here for five years, I deem that a success. That's very different than the 15, 20, or 25 years that used to happen. And, and so I'm saying that you know they deem that as a success, which leads to another key component of this is to make sure executive leadership team articulates their measures of success. Because the as the business models are changing, the talent is changing, then so do the measures of success. Because if you don't get together as a group and redefine success, you might feel like failures mm-hmm. in, in this world where you haven't redefined success. Well, and the definition of success then uh, helps you respond and take action. You know, so you've got the brutal fact, and once it's faced it's success if our leaders stay five years, then that can lead to actions like onboarding and development for this person needs to go faster. Mm-hmm. We, we, need to ha- we need to have them uh, productive and bringing, bringing more to the organization faster. That's, that's a tangible outcome from understanding the brutal facts and then putting teeth into that idea of, of having talent be a competitive advantage. Yes, and I'll add to that, it also, when you're growing internal talent, as they're growing, if, if you're going to put them in a leadership position, it can also inform the training that's going to need to occur so that when they get into that position, they're ready to hit the ground running. So it can help with that. And it can also help you assess the people that you decide to grow from within and then the people that you uh, are contemplating bringing on your team. Because then you'll ask that question, well, when do we think they're really going to have that high impact? Uh, and again, we're using five years and we're using this as an example. That's not the only measure of success, but the idea of articulating what are your measures of success. The other thing that we find others value is at the leadership level is to individually identify and articulate and share biases that you might have Mm. or a person might have once you share them find an accountability partner to help you check your biases and 
Yeah. Yeah. This is another one of those uh, brutal fact things <laughs> where it's not fun to identify your own biases. Um, but having done that, as, uh, especially amongst the team, and then, like Sally said, you know, making sure that someone's checking you on those things can can really expand your thinking. I'll give an example of a bias that we hear a lot in conversations, and that is something along the lines of, well, young people have a bad work ethic. Mm -hmm. They don't work as hard as we used to. That's that's definitely a bias. Well, not every young person falls into that category. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the point of, you know, what's a bad work ethic? <laughs> and, and maybe the definition has changed over time. But yeah, imagine if you even pass over one or two people and yeah. miss out on great talent because of that bias what a waste and so well and, uh, and just and I know I'm sure you have another one but I just have to interject what is a bad work ethic I think that's such a great uh conversation piece because it's not about punching the clock anymore it's not about hours worked it's more about what's the outcome produced or the impact that somebody is having. Um, and so getting the the mind around that or but if it's hours worked for your organization, then you need to say that out loud to each other. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I was just going to give on the other side of it. You know, mm. well, what about the what about the the notion that, oh, somebody that's been here 20, 25 years, you know, they really don't have any original thinking. They're probably going to be a roadblock to anything that we want mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. um, or someone who's been somewhere else for that amount of time and is and is maybe looking to onboard again, you know, individuals, individuals, we have to just recognize we have these biases. We all have the, the thoughts and uh, along those lines that probably we would all benefit from <laughs> identifying mm -hmm. them so we can because if you aren't aware of them, you can't avoid them. That is true. And then in asking for help, if you know this is how you think, then ask for help help me think differently, open my, uh, help me open my perspective. And, and also when you're going through this, it's really important for you to um, work on, this is your desired state. This is where you think your organization needs to go to put teeth behind having uh, talent become a competitive advantage. And so making sure that you're in your desired state, and then of course, stepping back and what are your gaps? Every company has gaps. So what are the gaps that that you have? What are the biggest gaps? Which ones do you want to tackle first? And make it a plan to get there, just like you have a technology plan or a strategic plan. This isn't going to happen uh, unless you're intentional about it. And then, of course, it's not a one and done. Yeah, it evolves just like just like everything else, just like technology. That's a that's a great parallel to draw there. Uh, you set your technology plan, but you always look at it to see what's what's changing every year and you make the adjustments that you need to make. And there's constant assessment. And so for when you develop your plan to turn talent into a competitive advantage, having consistent assessment, how are you progressing? Are you taking the actions you said you were going to take? And if you are, are they working? Because if you're taking these actions and they're not having the desired right. outcome, then recalculate your route. You know, the goal is still the same. You still want to arrive at having a competitive advantage, but then come in through different windows, different doors, try things. So make sure you're constantly assessing. And then in doing that, 
in a very productive environment. You got to have the environment for open and honest conversations um, mm -hmm. in order for this to work. Absolutely. Well, th th thanks for <clears throat> spending a little bit of time with us today as we hopefully we gave you some ideas for how to put teeth into the idea of making talent a competitive advantage for you. Yes, and I want to add that all we're doing here is scratching the surface. There's an infinite number of ways that this can be done. So again, thank you for your time.